0: Hey, it's Guy Raz here, host of How I Built This, with the recommendation for another podcast for you to check out, namely How I Built This. Every week, I talk to the people behind some of the most inspiring companies and brands in the world with stories of incredible persistence, grit, and insight. You can find How I Built This on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, y'all. Sam Sanders here. It's been a minute. Happy New Year. Hope your holiday was good. To kick things off today, we have a different kind of conversation. For the most part, on these Tuesday chats, we are giving you actors and musicians and producers and other creatives. But today on the show, we have a sit-down with someone different. A real, live, currently serving member of the U.S. Congress. His name is Will Hurd. He's in the House of Representatives. And there's one big thing you must understand about him to many people, the very idea of a Will Hurd and all he represents, it kind of shouldn't exist in our current political climate. He is a black Republican. He represents a district in Texas that includes parts of San Antonio where I'm from, and that district is 70% Latino. And Hillary Clinton won that district in 2016. And perhaps for that reason, Will Hurd has pitched himself as a true bipartisan at a time when political tribalism seems to be all the rage. Here's an example. Last year, after a flight he and a fellow lawmaker were supposed to be on got canceled, he drove from Texas all the way to D.C. with the House Democrat, also from Texas, Beto O'Rourke. They live streamed big parts of the trip and they're still friends. That's the kind of guy Will Hurd is. So I talked to Will Hurd in his office towards the end of 2017, actually on the day before the Republican controlled House passed that big GOP tax cut. He actually had to leave our interview to head down for a vote. But I got to say, the big thing on my mind that day was not just the tax bill. It was a bigger question. What happens to a lawmaker like Will Hurd this year? Midterm elections will be the big political story of 2018. And so I'm wondering, can a black Republican who considers himself truly bipartisan in a Latino Hillary Clinton voting Texas district, can he survive in the age of Trump? We talk about that and more, including how he deals with President Trump. A man who now heads Heard's party, but also a man who Heard told me over and over is not his boss. Here's me and Congressman Will Heard in his Capitol Hill office a couple of weeks back. One, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming over. Oh happy to do it. Um it's awesome to get to talk to someone who is pretty much from the same place I am. <laughs> that,
1: that's right. Good old San Antonio, the Amarillo yeah. City. Now, where in uh, the town? Did you grow up? So, so I grew up in Leon Valley, Yes, and, uh, which is kind of the northwest side mm-hmm. of, of San Antonio. And then I went to Texas a yeah. uh, and University when I did computer science. I okay. uh, graduated computer science. And then now I live in Holotus, which uh-huh. most people know for forest Country Store. And mm-hmm. growing up in Leon Valley, there's two places I never thought I'd live. Afghanistan or Lotus, right? <laughs> and I've lived, in, I've lived in both, so okay. I love San Antonio. It's home. It is home.
0: Uh, I spent a few years in Seguin as a young kid, then Converse in shirts, then Incarnate Word for college. My family's in Wincrest now, so we went to competing high schools. You went yeah. to Marshall. I yeah. went to Jetson for a little bit.
1: Right. We, yeah. we did. See, y- y'all beat us many times, but we also beat y'all before we went to the state championship. What uh, year? My, I want to say that was 93. Well, yeah, that doesn't uh. matter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, right, right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so I was telling um, your colleague, I did a long road trip through Texas uh, about a month and a half ago. And we started in El Paso, then did Marfa, then did Alpine, then did turlingua and big band and then went to san antonio where i stayed for thanksgiving and in prep for this interview i realized i drove through your district basically it took me like five days (laughs) (laughs) though.
1: so so my district is 29 counties two time zones 820 miles of the border it takes, is it the biggest district in the country? It's not. It's bigger than 26 states. There is a, <laughs> there is a district in, um, in Oregon that's a little bit bigger. Okay. Um, but we're, it's roughly the size of Georgia. And it takes from one corner of the district to the other about 10 hours to drive. If, if you were driving straight at 80 miles an hour, which is actually the speed limit in, in most of the district. So it's big. And one of the things I do in order to cover that, big of a territory. I fly in and out of San Antonio two weekends a month, Midland one weekend, and El Paso one weekend, um, huh. and kind of roughly deal with those parts of the district. That, that's yeah. kind of how we how we make sure we get around and, and see the district. It's beautiful, as you saw on your trip. Oh yeah, It's a beautiful part of the state, beautiful part of the country. Yeah.
0: Do you ever say to yourself, gosh, I could have picked a smaller, more manageable <laughs> district? I'm sure you must look at your colleagues who have these tiny land masses and say, oh, I've got more work than you.
1: My, my colleague, Ileana Ross-Layton in, in Miami, mm-hmm. it takes her 20 minutes to get from one part of her district to the other. Huh. Um, I, you know, I, I, love, I love driving. I okay. love, you know, representing such a cool part of the state. And when, you know, the things that, that you've experienced. Growing up in, in San Antonio, we know about the missions, right? Yeah. And everybody remembers the Alamo. Um, but there are missions in El Paso that are older, than the Alamo. Hmm. Um, when you look at a place like um, Fort Davis that has McDonald's Observatory. McDonald's Observatory, when, when I was in school, when I was in science class in eighth, ninth, 10th grade, we learned that the universe was, was, had expanded after the Big Bang and was contracting. What they learned at McDonald's Observatory was actually the universe is accelerating in its expansion hmm. because of a thing called dark energy, which the universe is made of like 70%. And we still don't know what dark energy is, right? Like that's going on in in, in Fort Davis, yeah. Texas. And then Big Bend, you know, in Santa Atlanta beautiful. Canyon yeah. is is one of the most majestic things I've I've ever gotten to see. And so those are some of the, the things that I've enjoyed uh, representing such... A big district, and if that just means I put 90,000 miles on my car, you know, I'll put 90,000 miles on my car for What's that. What's the car? Uh, a Jeep Grand Cherokee. Well, it can handle it. Yeah, it yeah. can. Yeah. It can.
0: You know, another interesting thing about your district is that it is one of, I guess, the few true swing districts left in Texas, for sure, in the country. Uh, the demographics are very interesting. It's about, what, 70%
1: Hispanic? Um, This district, District 23, has always been seen as kind of the only swing district in Texas. Last election, there were three districts in Texas that voted for Hillary Clinton and then a Republican. Which ones? um, um, That was uh, a district in Houston and a district in Dallas. Um, I like that about this district. Why do you like that? Because if more districts were like mine... We would have more people working together up here in Washington D.C. Unfortunately, many of our district, uh, in many of our our congressional districts, whether it's Republican or Democrat, the decision is made in a primary. If a decision is made in the primary, then that means you have a, a very small percentage of a population making a decision for all 800,000 people that we're supposed to represent. If more decisions and more elections were actually done in November, when it was the true competition of ideas, um, we would be sending people up to Washington DC that are willing to work across Party lines and get things done. You know, I, I look at a, a town like Eagle Pass. Um, Eagle Pass, yeah, I remember the first time I went to Eagle Pass, it was during a tardiada, um, which is an afternoon party. And probably about 700 people at this event, many of the local elected officials. And, and this is, by the way, um, 96% Latino, 98% Democrat, right? Yeah. And, and I walk in and some of the the people in the band were actually local officials and they literally stopped playing. And I had about 250 people come up to me and say, why are you here? Because I was the only Republican there. Mm -hmm. And my response was, because I like to eat cabrito and drink beer too. Yeah. And then the second time I showed up to this community, people came, actually shook my hand. Third time I showed up, they said, hey, you know, uh, we appreciate you being here. And they start talking about your problems. Fourth time, you're able to bring solutions, right? And so, so part of it is showing up, and engaging. Guess what? I don't care who you are. You want to have a roof over your head food on your table, and the people that you love be healthy and happy, right? Yeah. And when we focus on those kinds of issues, um, we're going to be better off. Yeah. And, and, and having a competitive district like mine um, forces people to, to, to talk to everyone.
0: A lot of critics will say there'd be more competitive districts like yours if parties weren't in control of drawing these lines across the country after elections. Who do you think should draw district lines?
1: Well, the who should draw district lines is written into, you know, it's, it's uh, written into state laws. And, but those can and be it, changed. And, and it is, and it is the, the legislature that's supposed to be yeah. responsible but for it. But in a perfect world. Uh, look, in, in a perfect world, they would make sense and they would be competitive, right? Because you um, see a lot of them. They make no sense. Yeah. Look, I always say if you had 1,000 fifth graders and said, draw 32 units on this map of Texas – uh, none of those thousand fifth graders would come up with the current, yeah. uh, the current lines yeah. that, that we have. Um, Do you and- think
0: that those current lines, by and large... Hurt minority voters, blacks and Latinos.
1: Look, I, it, it, I can only speak for my district. Yes, yeah. Right? I can only speak for my district. And the answer is no. The answer is, and, and you even had a Democratic court say that Latino voters in the 23rd district were not being marginalized, right? And and part of that is because I'm out there representing them. And ultimately, um, you know, when when you when the the margins of victory in a lot of places are not that wide. Right. And and so people have to be motivated to come out and and exercise and exercise their right to vote. Yeah. I'm
0: going to leave this topic alone, I promise. But there were some really weird numbers in Alabama. You know, we know that Roy Moore lost uh, to Doug Jones. But if you looked at the seven congressional districts, six of them, pound for pound, went for the Republican. Yet the Democrat won the state.
1: That just seems funky. Look, I haven't looked at the numbers, but it was the person that, the people that put uh, uh, Doug Jones in office were actually Republicans, right? Republicans voted for for Doug Jones. So that is ultimately the reality of the the turnout in Alabama. Do those results in Alabama
0: make you a little nervous about your next race? A lot of the tea leaves seem to indicate that it could be a particularly good midterm for Democrats. And in a swing district like yours, are you worried about the challenge?
1: No, I'm not. I don't think it has anything to do with with my race. I do not believe in coattails. I do not believe in national trends. Um, if you let national trends affect you, the national trends will affect you. But I have an independent relationship with my district and people know me and they know that whether you're a town that votes overwhelmingly Democrat, when you have a, a, a flood and you need f- help from FEMA Guess what? I'm going to be there and I'm, I'm going to help you. Right. You know. It, but if you're if you're somebody who doesn't go home on the weekends, who is not out in your community, who does not reach out to parts of the community that may not um, naturally be open to your party's brand, then, yeah, you're going to get impacted right, by national trends. But if you, if you have your own relationship, um, you're going to be fine. When do you vote on the tax bill? Is uh, today? It's today. Okay. Yeah. And you're going to vote for it? I'm going to vote for it. Yeah, because, look, in my district, 81% of the district fills out the 1040EZ. Um, and that basically means you don't take any deductions. So the fact that the standard deduction is doubled means... A lot of people are going to have it means everybody who does that is going to have more money in their pocket. But
0: that expires, right? Um, Don't some of the cuts for lower income folks expire after a certain number of years? uh,
1: Well, so so this this bill is for eight years. Right. And so after eight years, we're going to have this debate again, just kind of like the Bush tax cuts um, and and his tax plan. But there's Um, no expiration
0: written in for some of the tax cuts for corporations no?
1: Um. there so So. there is a longer term horizon yeah. there do you think that's but, fair uh, well, look for the next eight years eight years is a long it's a long time right and and this is something where you have to because of the rules of the Senate uh, we're going to have to vote again to make sure that that continues no one's when, when we see after eight years that more people have more money in their pockets that the economy is growing faster than anybody expected that people's 401ks are still doing well and and we're going to have to vote to make sure we extend those, right? And that's that's a decision to be made in in eight years. And you know, I find it hard to believe any of my colleagues that would not vote for something like that.
0: Are you confident in those economic predictions, knowing that a lot of economists looking at this bill say that might not end
1: up being the case? Even nonpartisan sure. groups. No, look. So so uh, pro- projections into the future are based on assumptions. Right. And everybody has made every different group have different assumptions. But when you look at those folks that really are middle of the road, middle ground, um, we, we are already seeing three percent growth quarter after quarter in this first in these last two quarters. Three um, percent growth. Three percent may seem like a small number. No, it's really, really it's really a good. really big number. And, and, and it's 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 wild to even think that we could be near four or even over four. Like, I don't even want to say that because it, it's so, it, 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 nobody ever thought that was, that was possible. You, you couple that with the lowest unemployment rate we've seen since 2001, um, and you have people put more money in their pocket. You have small businesses like you know, my, my favorite coffee shop. The owner is going to be able to buy a new espresso machine. Which coffee right? shop? Right? Um, in in, in Holotus. What's it yeah, called? Yeah, it's called Heine. It's okay. called Heine. He's going to be able to buy a new espresso Machine right and that means the lines are not going to be as long so more people are gonna be able to get coffee So he's gonna pay more people and employ more people, but this is
0: a critique. You obviously like this bill Do you Mm -hmm. like the process behind it? Um, particularly in the Senate, which you weren't in, there were, seemed to be some shenanigans happening there. Was stuff written in at the last minute, Democrats saying the process was totally screwed up. The speed at which this massive, massive, massive bill has gone through both
1: chambers has alarmed some people. Are you okay with that? So... I, I can't speak for the Senate because yeah. I'm not in the Senate. But, but, in the the House. House, but in the House, we've been talking about this for three years. So I've been in Congress for three years. Mm-hmm. And the framework for tax reform, has, we've been talking about this for three years. The number of, of meetings um, and hearings that the Ways and Means Committee has had on this bill. I think what, what, what's, what's been interesting now is that people are looking back And nobody thought we were going to be able to get this done. And so everybody kind of dismissed the listening sessions and the conversations and the feedback in the house. um, In the house, right? but that's been going on for three years and oh and by the way that's why we are getting this over the finish line because we've had a framework we ran on a framework in last election this was before uh, Donald it, Trump yeah before Donald Trump we called it the better way right it was a better way agenda and there was details in but again people people dismiss that because they thought it was pie-in-the-sky kind of thinking well, also and, and nobody thought nobody thought we were gonna be able to enact a plan because nobody thought a Republican was gonna be president well
0: that's part of it but also the current leader of your party is doing no favors to acknowledge that kind of work that's been going on you say for a few years are you looking back at the process to get this tax bill passed should it go through have you been satisfied with donald trump's performance as a leader on the issue
1: well so i'm of the donald trump is not my boss Right. Okay. Donald Trump. And and so it is it is Congress that passes legislation. Right. And it is up to the executive branch to enact that. And so so has, you know, to to me, his performance um, is immaterial to the conversations we've been having in the House, because this is this has been a a piece of legislation that we are working on. But even if
0: it's immaterial are you objectively satisfied with it?
1: We're getting this across the finish line, right? And, and so, you know, what role the president may or may not have played in that, I don't have an opinion because I know that, you know, I'm the one going back in my district talking about this, having conversations in town halls around it, you know, getting seeking feedback from individuals on how this was gonna impact farming or ranching or agriculture, right? So in this hyper-partisan world, Everybody wants to criticize um, or slap the president on the back, right, one way or the other. And the way our government is set up, the House is a co-equal branch. And we're here to do our job. And that's what we're doing. And the Senate did theirs. And then now it's time for the president to sign it into law. And that's that's the only thing we need him to do in this process, sign the bill. How does this tax
0: bill poll in your districts? Do you know? Because um, it doesn't poll well across the country, right? Yeah,
1: now. it doesn't poll well across the country. Um, um, Reagan's tax plan polled less um, when when it was passed. Do you know in the if 80s. it's approved of or disapproved um, of in your district? Look, I, I know this is something that's going to impact. Uh, positively the folks in my district and that's the that's the important piece on it we we don't do polling on every single issue but when you look at the feedback that we get crisscross in the district like I did 27 town halls in 7 days back in August and this was a major um, talking point on what this. Was and, the majority of and, 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 and look in when, favor? Yeah, people like the the one applause line that we got when we talked about how we were gonna simplify taxes and that you're gonna be able to do your taxes in a much more simplified way. There literally was applause at all twenty seven and these were not these were not Republican only crowds, right? These were these were not curated crowds. <laughs> Um, so so you uh, think that a majority of, of your district supports this tax cut? I think the majority of the district are gonna be happy with the tax cuts. That's a different. You know, it's, 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 a distinction. it's It's very different, but like I said with polling numbers I don't have I don't okay. have data in front of me, uh-huh. um, but my job is to make decisions um, That are going to be positive for yeah, for yeah. the district
0: um, You voted not to repeal Obamacare mm-hmm. but this tax bill um, takes away the mandate, the individual, the mandate, individual sure. mandate for folks who mm-hmm. have insurance or be fined. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks say that that would greatly dismantle Obamacare, not greatly dismantle, but would hurt Obamacare. Mm-hmm. You could even say that it's kind of the same thing that Skinny Repeal was going to be a while back. How do you justify both votes? Right.
1: So uh, I justify both votes because my goal on, on health care is to increase access to and decrease cost of Healthcare. Um, when it comes to the individual mandate, if you don't have insurance, you can pay a fine. Yes. Right. And um, the number of folks that were actually paying the fine was significantly higher than the folks that wrote this bill thought was going to happen. And the people that were disproportionately doing the fine were younger folks. Right. And so, so this is saying, and this, this goes back to should the government dictate whether everybody has to um, have insurance or not, right? That's that's the core of this debate for for many people. Um, I don't think that the government should dictate whether or not you buy insurance. It dictates um, that everyone should buy car insurance though, right? I mean like no, you don't, no, if you don't have a, if you don't want car insurance, you don't have to buy it. But if you're gonna drive, yes. then you gotta have you yes. gotta have insurance. Yes. Right? Um, but I can I can go in and pay cash for a procedure in a, in, a, in a doctor's office, I don't have to pay with insurance, so I can still get access to healthcare if I'm willing to pay for it, right? And so so it's, it's not a one-to-one comparison. Um, one of the biggest issues for me on the first vote on healthcare was what happens to Medicaid? Yeah. And Which Texans rely on heavily. Texas relies, relies on heavily. My district specifically relies on it heavily. So this does not impact okay. Medicaid. We're, we're not taking $80 billion out of Medicaid and saying that that's fixing it. right? So that was, that was a big issue with the first vote that's not included in, in the repeal of the individual yeah. mandate.
0: All right, got to pause here for a break. When we come back, what Congressman Will Hurd did for nine years— in the CIA BRB support for it's been
1: a minute and the following message come from ZipRecruiter a new year has begun and if you're setting new goals for your business you need the right people on your team ZipRecruiter has transformed how you find them ZipRecruiter posts your job to over a hundred job sites with just one click then they actively look for the most qualified candidate and invite them to apply that's why 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com minute.
0: How much would you pay to avoid morning traffic? Why are plane tickets to Boise so expensive? And what can a tuna cannery in the middle of the Pacific tell us about taxes? I'm Cardiff Garcia, co-host of The Indicator, a new podcast from Planet Money where in every episode, we take on a new, unexpected idea to help you make sense of the day's news. Get it on NPR One or wherever you get your podcasts. Enough policy for a while. We'll talk some more about that in a bit. But uh, you spent how many years working for the CIA? Nine and a half. In the Middle East?
1: In in South Asia, probably more specifically. I I traveled all over the world. Which countries, mostly? So um, when I I was a freshman in college at at, at at Texas Texas A&M, um, I was walking across, I was a computer science major and I'm walking across campus and I see a sign that says take two journalism classes in Mexico city for $425 and I had 450 bucks in my bank account. Huh. So I went to Mexico, I fell in love being in another culture. Yeah. I thought it was cool learning about things that I only read about. So books. you could have been a journalist. <laughs> well, I, I think you got, you got to have more than six six credits. You have know? you to have more than six credits. Um, yeah. And so I took international studies as a minor. Had a former CIA officer tell the most amazing stories. And then I went into the CIA right after undergrad. And so I did two years in D.C., two years in India, two years in Pakistan. Um, then I um, was in New York doing some interagency work. Um, and then um, then I was in Afghanistan for. A, a year and a half. How and much can you share about the work you did in those forms? Look, countries? it was it was one of the best jobs on the planet. My job was, you know, I was the guy in the back alleys at four o'clock in the morning, collecting intelligence on threats to the homeland and working on some of the most important national security issues of the day. Um, was awesome, and you know, it, it, you know, I I was in the CIA when 9/11 happened, and. Back then, if you would have told me um, on September 12, 2001, that it would be 16 years and not another major attack on our homeland, I'd say you were crazy. Um, but the reason that there hasn't been another major attack is because the men and women in, in our intelligence agencies are still operating as if it's September 12th. The men and women in our diplomatic corps, you know, our diplomats and the folks at USAID do have such an important role in helping to protect our country that oftentimes they're overlooked. And then, and of course, uh, the men and women that have put on a uniform and willing to fight in the military is important. Well, so sidebar,
0: speaking of Foreign Service and USAID... How do you feel about the drastic cuts happening? In those yeah, look, right
1: now? yeah, this is, it's unacceptable. That's why in the House versions of budgets, it does not um, adhere to some of those cuts um, because the, our, our diplomatic corps is important. My good friend and, and former ambassador, Ryan Crocker, used to always say, if you have more pumps and wingtips on the ground, it prevents Less boots from having mm. to come on the ground. Mm. Meaning, when you have strong diplomacy, mm-hmm. um, that prevents the having to use, you know, the stick. And and there's four levers of of national power: diplomacy, intelligence, military, and economic resources. And sometimes we only focus on the M, the military, when our diplomacy plays an important role from preventing to get to those points. You've talked before
0: about your role in the CIA, briefing members of Congress Mm -hmm. before you were in Congress, and kind of being unimpressed by their level of understanding of uh, the basic tenets of foreign policy, and that's part of why you wanted to run, Mm -hmm. no? Yeah, no, it
1: absolutely is the case, and... You know, I thought uh, members of Congress were making decisions that were negatively impacting um, the work that uh, my colleagues and I were doing and we were putting ourselves in harm's way. And my mama said, either part of the problem, part of the solution, so I left Afghanistan, moved to Halotus and ran for Congress. And um, I lost that first race, um, but, it, but it gave me opportunity opportunity um, to go in the private sector and help start a cybersecurity company. And so it was a great experience. But yeah, that experience always, I, I don't Expect Every member of Congress to be an expert on everything. Yeah Um, The number of issues and decisions that we make in the course of a day are are, are a lot Um, But I do expect you to have you know pretty good working knowledge Especially on the issues of the committees that you're on and so if you're on the house permanent select committee on intelligence You should know the difference between a Sunni and a Shia now You don't have to know that you know, the break in Islam came, you know, after the death of the Prophet Muhammad, and one group wanted the son in law to be the next caliph, and the other group wanted the father in law, Abu Bakr, to be the next the next caliph. You need to know that Iran, Shia, Saudi Arabia, Sunni, they have problems, <laughs> yeah. right? Al Qaeda, ISIS, Is Sunni, Hezbollah, Hamas, or Shia groups? Right. You need to know that that's part of that conflict, um, and and understanding how that plays in the region. That's why that's what what you need to understand. If you're on the financial services committee, you should know the difference between a credit union, a um, investment bank, and a community bank. Right. Um, Those are all very different, very different things and very different entities. Um, we're going to see, um, it looks like we're just going out of session. Is that right? Yeah, we've we got votes. So, so I have about five minutes. Oh, um, oh, oh, okay. Then, yeah. So when that gets to nine, I got it. Time remaining at the bottom gets to nine. I got to go.
0: Understood. Well, we're going to whiz through this. You have, a, uh, built up a reputation as someone who thinks in a bipartisan fashion. Uh, you had a long road trip with the Democrat. You, uh hire staffers that aren't always Republicans from what I can tell, from what I've read. Um, Is it harder now to do that than it was three years ago?
1: Um, It's not harder to do that now than it was three years ago. This is the way I'm built. This is the way I am. Um, last Congress and the two, on the hundred and fourteenth Congress I got more bills signed in the law than any other member of Congress and I'm a Republican and the last president was a Democrat and, and the only way you do that is by working together And it starts with a belief that more unites us than divides us and that we can disagree without being disagreeable And and when you when you realize that the person sitting across the table from me cares about their community Just the way I care about mine we may have different tactics, but let's let's start let's let's start with the assumption that man, you care and you want to get this done. So let's figure out how we how we how we how we how we meet in the middle. And it also takes a grasp of the issue, so that you can understand how you can navigate some of the tricky um, pieces that may cause some disagreement. Yeah,
0: beneath the reputation for being bipartisan. You have voted so far, according to five thirty eight, some 96% in lockstep yeah. with Trump.
1: Yeah. So so what does that mean? What does that 96% mean? What does what lockstep with, with Trump mean? With the party. Okay, so what's a party vote? Um, a, a, a previous question which is an administrative vote where you know, some of this is a team sport, right? And if, if you're in the majority and you control the floor um, You're in and Democrats did the exact same thing when they were in um, in office, so this notion that it's a, a, a 96% of what, right okay. and and so, well, so So
0: then I guess better question is when is the one time that you really bucked Donald Trump? Uh,
1: policy-wise we talked about health care okay uh, Freddie, all right I think that's a pretty yeah I think that's a, a pretty big one okay um I've been pretty I was pretty vocal about a uh, Roy Moore and thinking the the president was what did wrong. you call him uh, you, 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 you. I said he was an abomination to the, to the, to the Republican Party. Um, I disagree with him on a wall, right? Uh, building a wall from sea to shining sea people is the outside most expensive of play, yeah. in a way of doing border security, yeah. right? People
0: outside of Texas always forget, like, a lot of folks that live on the border, they don't want a new wall there. They don't want, no, look, they it, don't want that.
1: Look, The ranchers and the farmers <laughs> and the people, they don't want the government coming in and saying, I'm going to take you know, a half mile part of your land along the entire width I'm of I'm a your land. it now. Yeah, it's like, what come on. This? But, but look, so we, we we don't have operational control of our border, and it's 2017, and we should. And the only way you can do that is to look at all 2,000 miles of the border at the same time. And the only way you can do that is with technology. We got a minute and yeah. 40 seconds. Yeah. Um, you...
0: Uh, are a person of color Mm -hmm. representing a district that is 71% Latino. Mm -hmm. Um, Our president has said a lot of things about race that many people find to be Mm -hmm. quite incendiary, and you've spoken out about that. How does it feel to have to deal with that seemingly every other week? He says something about race that's a little off. He's in the same party as you. Does that make you a little less proud to be Republican right now?
1: Look, um... Yes, the president is the titular head of the Republican Party. Does that mean you got to go? No, no, no. We got okay. It. It's, it's uh, the bells go off every five minutes.
0: This happens every time?
1: Yeah. Every that would time annoy start, me so is, much. Is, is votes. Yeah, so there's three vote series today, so this will happen three times today. Um, so, so the president is the titular head of the Republican Party, but he is not the only voice in the Republican He's the loudest party.
0: voice right now. Uh, of,
1: of course he's the loudest voice. He, he Because he is one of the, the most watched people in, in the world. And so, But, look, I agree when I agree, and I disagree when I disagree. And But and, you're an and,
0: outlier because what we have seen Trump doing is pulling the rest of the party towards him. And there are things that Trump has said on race mm-hmm. that Republicans of 5, 10, 15 years ago would find deplorable. And now a lot of those same people are shrugging their shoulders at it. He has pulled the party right. in the direction of that rhetoric. What, what, what needs to
1: happen to change that? I, so, so, uh, so I would say, I, I think some of the voices that have been in opposition of him um, have not been amplified. They, it, they sometimes are overlooked. Um, the Speaker of the House, the Majority Leader of the Senate, have oftentimes, you know, uh, disagreed with the President. That doesn't get the, the level of focus. But guess what? My responsibility, my job, is to continue to be honest, treat people with respect, um, you know, agree when I agree and disagree when I disagree. And that's how I'm going to continue to operate. And uh, again, he is he is not. You know, folks sometimes want to act like the President's my boss. No. Okay. I have eight hundred thousand bosses and they're in twenty nine counties back in the Lone Star State, all right? And those are the people those are the people that I listen to. And and for me, yeah, of course at times it's it's frustrating. But guess what? I'm also a voice. And a wing of the Republican Party. And, and, and for us, the, this experiment called America has worked because of the competition of ideas. And we should also look at, to amplify the message of someone on the other party that we agree with. And, and that is something that sometimes always gets lost. When did it happen that the most important thing in our life is the political party we identify with? This, this wasn't the case when, when I was a kid, yeah. right? What, what happened to recognizing that, hey, even though you may wear a different team jersey than I do, that doesn't mean you're bad. And that requires all of us to start thinking that way. So that's something that, you know, if I can prove that point, I'm going to continue to prove that point. But I'm going to be myself and, and do what my daddy always said, be honest. And I'm going to do what my mama always said, and that's be kind to people.
0: They must be proud of you.
1: They are are very proud. I'm proud of them. I'm proud to represent them.
0: Yeah, yeah. You got to go? I got to go, yeah. Last question What's your favorite barbecue spot in
1: Texas? Right now, 2M's. Where's that? On the south side of San Antonio.
0: Okay, I'm going to go check it out when I go there next. That's great. It really is great.
1: Awesome. Thank you.
0: Congressman Will Hurd really appreciated him taking the time and being open to discussing a very wide range of topics. Listeners, we're back with our usual wrap of the week of news and culture and everything else this Friday. And for that show, be sure to share with us the best thing that happened to you all week. Share it with me, record yourself, send the file to samsanders at npr.org. samsanders at npr.org. Thanks for listening. Talk soon.